Um, like you said, I'm Taylor. It's been a privilege to serve here at City Light Church. Uh, did you guys have a good Christmas? Yeah. Yeah, did Santa come? Maybe, for some of you? No. I know that we had a very loud gathering. Uh, we go to the Valley every year for Christmas, and it was fun to open presents with family. And I'm glad that it is behind us, and we are now looking at 2020. Uh, so this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 3. And in Luke chapter 3, my hope this morning is that through the study of God's Word, Many of us today would hear a sound, uh, and that that sound would give us spiritual sight. That that sound would give us spiritual sight. So there's three points that we're going to cover, or three truths from God's Word that we're going to see today. The first one is seeing sound in the silence. Seeing sound in the silence. The second one is seeing that the Word sends. And the last one is seeing salvation. Seeing salvation. We're in Luke chapter 3, and Luke is going to show us from the word, how he can prepare us to see salvation. That's the only goal. So if there's one thing that you walk out of this service with, I hope and pray, and my desire is that you would see salvation. Look at somebody and say, I want to see. The goal is that you and I would see Jesus with 2020 vision in 2020. I'm going to say that again. 2020 vision in 2020. I thought that was funny. Like, maybe it's not, but I'm a dad now, so I'm, like, certified to tell dad jokes. Uh, so, yeah, that's the goal. So, read along with me, Luke chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 2. This is what the Bible says. During the high priesthood of Ananias and Caphias, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. As it is written in the book of the words, Isaiah the prophet, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Verse 9. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what shall we do then? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics, share it with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation." and be content with your wages. Will you pray with me? Father, as we look at your word this morning, I pray that this morning would not be routine. It's the last Sunday of the year, Lord. I pray that we, as a result of being in your word, would glean truth from it. Uh, Lord, we'll praise you for this, we'll glorify your name for this, and we'll live out our faith for this. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, does anybody in the room, uh, does anybody in the room have like an uncomfortability with silence? Is anybody uncomfortable with silence? I know I can't be the only one that I, I'm uncomfortable with silence a lot. I'm super extroverted. I think the worst silence is when you're having like a conversation with somebody and they intentionally ignore you. They use silence as a weapon, right? Raise your hand if your spouse uses silence as a weapon. No, don't do that. I'm kidding. Don't do that. That'd be 
but look, I realize that for many of you in the room, silence would not be a good description of your life. For many of you in the room, it's only been a few days since Christmas. The year is just crazy with dates and plans and loud family gatherings. And some of you might think that a little bit of silence right now would be very nice. But listen, if there's any way that we should approach this text, the context and climate in which John the Baptist prepares the way for the Lord, it's through this lens of silence. And this was not a good thing. This is what Luke is getting at in verse 1. He's explaining the environment that John the Baptist is preaching in. And we must understand the situation through the view of silence. See, on the timeline of biblical history, in this time period, it was known as the intertestamental period. Or the period of time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Up until this point, God had been silent for the past 400 years. Now, just for a second, I want you to imagine that you are a Jewish child being raised during this time period, being raised during this period of silence. As a Jewish child, you would have been raised to memorize the Pentateuch or the first five books of the Old Testament. You would have been raised to be familiar with the Psalms and the Proverbs. You would have been able to recall story after story where mom and dad sat you down and told you stories where the word of God came to the prophet Micah and the word of the Lord came to the prophet Jeremiah or the word of the Lord came to Elijah. But you see, you're just a child. So although this was taught to you as your people's history, in your mind, these were just stories, nothing more than stories told years after years and then years turn into centuries and then centuries turn into decades and generations die and new generations are born. And now it's been centuries of silence, centuries since God has spoken through a prophet. Centuries of silence since God on high, the creator of the universe, the alpha and the omega would speak through mankind. God has been silent. After years and years of waiting, the Jewish nation, there was just this like angst. They were desperate to hear about the one who is to come. After 400 years of waiting, out of the silence, we hear a sound. Look at verse 2. The word of the Lord came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Verse 3, the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. There was a sound in the silence. There was a sound in the silence. For some of you in here this morning, religion it represents nothing more than mere silence to you. The whole idea of knowing God, furthermore, hearing from God, this just sounds crazy. It sounds like a crazy concept. You live in religious silence. You may be involved in religious activity, but you live in silence. And my fear for many of you in the room this morning is that the word of God has never really come to your heart with any sense of power or authority. You've never discovered the Bible to be a living book. And you've never felt like you were about to go over the edge of the waterfall as you read through the scriptures and God revealed truth to you. Just enough truth to get you through your day. No. Rather, you can participate in Christian events and drift in and out of the Bible being taught in your own form of spiritual silence. If you were being honest, your life might be filled with noise, but God has seemed silent to you. And then God, in his mercy, he sends a voice. One that will, as Nate was saying, it will make you uncomfortable. One that will wake you up and stir you in your spirit. You know, when they asked John who he was, 
Rather than answering that question directly, John replied with the words of Isaiah the prophet. He says, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. This is the sound for your silence, that God wants to speak to you today, right where you sit. He wants to speak to you today. And this is not just today. This could be the commentary on your entire year that you could have consistent conversations with your creator, that God wants to speak to you. So this is our first truth, a sound in the silence. Now, what did that sound say exactly? This brings us to our second truth, that the word sends. Look at verse two, the word sends. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. When the word comes, we go. When the word comes, we go. Look at the text again. The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness, and he went out into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, it doesn't say that he went and the word came to him. No, it says that the word of God came to him and then he went. The word of God came, he went. The word sends. The word of God does not come, then no one should be in the business of going. This is divine order, and it's something that we should not skip over. The word came to John, and it directed John in what to do. And as we sit here this morning on the last Sunday of 2019, you know, our thoughts filled uh, and our agendas full, whether they are on paper or whether they are digital, we are bursting with dates and plans and meetings and projects. And my hope for us this morning is that we would see this truth in a fresh way from the word of God and ask the question, is the word of God sending me into my future to serve him or am I going out and asking the Lord to bless what I've already decided to do? You see, I'm a planner. I like to at least vaguely know what's going on. I like to have somewhat of a plan. And now God, he has given me a God-fearing wife, and she's really a planner. Like, she plans everything. She is, uh, she is very type A and uh, has a plan, and this has been such a blessing to me. My wife is the kind of planner that, like, when we're on vacation, she's already planning our next vacation. Like, she's in the middle of doing that. And um, anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody can agree with that, that they're married to somebody who's super organized, uh, over the years, I have really come to love and appreciate this about her because she keeps me in order. She keeps me in check. She keeps me in order. And from the Bible this morning, we see this biblical order that the word comes first, that there's an order to it. See, the temptation for us as we posture ourselves towards 2020 is that we can head into the new year without ever being sent from the word of God. When the word comes, we go. You know, one of the primary reasons that John the Baptist is such an influential voice is because his voice is sent on behalf of the Lord. John's message was not powerful and effective because of his skill set or his ability. It was because he was sent by God. This is why you will continue to hear us say things at City Light Church, that services here, they are a launching pad, not a landing place. That's right. The reason that we are a launching pad is because we will forever be committed to the teaching and the preaching and the study of God's word. And this is our third core value, that we want to strive to be a people as a church that can be found occupied by the word of God. And here's the crazy part. This is how awesome God's word is. And as this church, and I don't just mean like 
our pastors and our servant leaders, but we collectively as a church, as we as a church commit ourselves individually to the study of God's word, to the sharing of God's word, and to the preaching of God's word, as we both publicly and privately hide the word of God in our hearts, guard on high is going to begin to send us out. He's going to do miracles with us. He's going to give us each specific passions and desires and conviction the word sends. Let us not move into the new year without first surrendering our agendas to God. Let us ask from his word what he has us to be sent to in 2020. So the word sent John, we see that from the text. Well, what did it send him to? Look at verse 3. And he went into all the region of Jordan. And then what was his message? When he went, what did he say? He said, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. This brings us to our last truth. This is our last truth. Sin blocks your sight. Sin blocks your sight. We see this truth from the rest of the passage. Luke explains this imagery in the first four verses through six. Then he applies it to specific groups from verses seven through 14. Follow me in verse four. This is what it says in verse four. As it is written in the words of Isaiah the prophet, so he's quoting from the New Testament, the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places, they shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Circle, see the salvation of God. I so desperately want you guys to see this. This passage it gives us such a powerful picture of spiritual preparation. It gives us this really like specific imagery. And this imagery can be seen in two ways. First, in a practical way. Uh, if your household is anything like mine, when you have guests coming over, uh, whenever we have guests coming over to my house, uh, my wife, they, she always gives me like a honey-do list, things I need to fix or clean. And this makes sense, right? Because people are coming and we need to prepare the house. And it was also common, most commentators agree, that if somebody of like high status, like a king or, or somebody in leadership was visiting a town or a village, preparations were to be made both inside and outside. So they would clean the walls and they would clean the streets. And in the same way that you and I would prepare for the arrival of a guest, John is saying in this text that preparation is necessary and appropriate because Jesus is arriving. The difference here is that instead of cleaning a room or fixing something broken, instead of adding paint to the walls, this metaphor that John gives us, it's about making creation even. See, in Colossians 1.6, it should be on the screen, For him and by him all things were created on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So because he is creator of all, upon his arrival, landscapes change. You know, this section of verses, it also has this spiritual application in that, if a, follow me on this, if a path is in my way, if a path is not straight, I can't see what's at the end of the path. It's difficult to navigate. And if a mountain is in my way, I can't see what's on the other side of the mountain. And if a valley is before me, I first must go down through the valley to the other side before I can experience or enjoy what's on the other side of a valley. So a few weeks ago, I was home for Thanksgiving, and um, we were hanging out with family. I was going hunting with my father-in-law. I just realized that he's here today, and he doesn't know that I'm telling this story, so hopefully he'll forgive me. Um, but my father-in-law had recently gotten glasses for the first time. 
he got a set of glasses. And um, while we were all together over Thanksgiving, he was adjusting to his new pair of glasses. But here's the thing. We kept telling him to wear the glasses as he would complain about a headache and he would complain about not being able to see. And really his mood was getting like really irritable. And normally he's like a joy to be around. I didn't know what was going on. And uh, he, he, w- he was difficult to be around because he couldn't see straight. And he kept complaining and complaining about the glasses. But I remember being 13 and when my 13-year-old eyes adjusted the glasses for the first time, it took a couple of days. So we kept encouraging him, just keep wearing the glasses, keep pushing through, keep, keep using them, it will get better. And then we found out about three days later, he ended up going back to the eye doctors and the doctor made a a mistake. They put his left prescription in his right eye and they put his right prescription in his left eye. And our family, uh, we thought this was hilarious. He didn't think so, but we thought it was pretty funny. And at the same time, we all felt bad because we kept telling him to wear these glasses. And I just want you to have this perspective in mind when it comes to the unconfessed sin in your life. That when you don't confess sin to God, it's as if you're walking around with the wrong prescription. You can make your way through life, sure, but not with any sense of quality. And sin is going to make you frustrated and irritable. It's going to make you miserable to be around. It's going to give you a headache. And listen, just like I encouraged my father-in-law to keep wearing his glasses, the world wants to encourage you to keep living according to your own desires and your own ambitions. To just keep pushing through with a blurry sense of the world. And John the Baptist is saying that Jesus has arrived and we must remove all the barriers. The mountains are going to be torn down. The valleys are going to be made even. The crooked paths are going to be made straight. Why? Verse six, all flesh will see the salvation of God. He wants the people to be able to see clearly. In other words, Sin is a barrier which prevents us from being able to both see Jesus for who he is and then also experience the salvation that he offers. And we know this because John spends the next few verses confronting their sin. He does this rather boldly before the crowds in verse 7, he calls them a brood of vipers. Or in your translation, it might say something like poisonous snakes. He's condemning them for their sin of deception and their lack of honesty. Then he warns them that with the arrival of Jesus also comes this very serious and this very real judgment that the trees that don't produce fruit will be cut down. In other words, all those who don't believe in the name of Jesus will perish. Look at verse 10. Luke tells us after warning them and calling them poisonous snakes that the crowds asked him, what shall we do? And and there are two crowds. They're not just like one set of people. Um, He speaks to two separate groups, tax collectors and soldiers. To the crowd, he basically says, hey, be generous, don't be greedy. And to the tax collectors, he says, be honest. He calls them to have integrity in their work. And lastly, to the soldiers, he says, don't abuse your positions of authority to get rich. Rather, be content. And we see that this, uh, this, like, compilation of, of sin just means that we all have to repent differently. Myself included, we all sin differently, and so repentance, it looks different for us all. John is calling the people to repentance. Why? Why is he doing that? Why is he calling them to repent? Because if they don't repent, they won't believe. And if they don't believe, they will not see. Sin blocks your sight. It really does. It blocks your sight. So if the worship team wants to make their way to the stage... So many of you know that uh, I recently became a new dad. Um, I'm like 
three months in, I think, about three months. And uh, my wife and I, we have a daughter. Her name is Ava. You might have seen her around here. She enjoys crying at 3 a.m. She also enjoys sleeping when me and her mom are awake. Um, it's, it's really great having a new baby. And Ava, um, at three months old, her eyes, they're developing. Uh, and just the past three months, it's been amazing to really watch her respond to different situations. But when she was first born, her eyes just kind of wandered. She wasn't really capable of looking at me. It was impossible for her to see me at first. But listen, every parent in here knows, everyone in here knows the joy that you feel when your child, for the very first time, locks eyes with you and they give you this kind of like crooked baby smile. It's not really a smile, but it's kind of a smile and it's just enough to keep you like making faces and baby noises and anticipation for the next one and the next one. And to be honest, uh, even talking about it right now, it makes me want to go get Ava wherever she is and bring her up here so you can see her crooked baby smile. But listen, in the same way that I desire for my daughter to see me, your heavenly father, he sent Jesus Christ into the world to live a perfect life, to die on a cross and to rise again three days later so that you could see him. But if you don't repent, you won't be able to see. John the Baptist is saying that you must remove all the barriers of all the barriers need to be removed from our vision so that we can see the truth. For some of you in here, this is a call to repent for the very first time. That word repent, it simply means to turn from your sin. It's to trust your salvation to the person and the work of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. That somehow what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago, somehow that counted for you. And then for the majority of you in here, this is a call to repentance, not for the first time, but before a new year. That before you move into 2020, you will take the time to allow your heart to become familiar with the grace that Jesus offers you. This is good news, and this is the gospel, that it's not about what we can do for Jesus, but it's about what he's already done for us. And this is my prayer for you. Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 1. It's on the board. I pray that the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Verse 18. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he calls you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what are the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the work of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. I hope you can see. Maybe for the first time, I hope that you can see salvation. So this is the time in our service where we uh, want to encourage you to respond, whether that's coming up for prayer or whether that's taking communion. Communion is a time for us who believe to look back on what Jesus has done on the cross, how he became a man, how he suffered and died and then rose again so that we can have freedom from sin and experience a relationship with him. So we invite you to do that now. Will you pray with me as I bless our time of communion? Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it's true and that it's good. As Nate was saying, uh, Man, this church has just been so generous with their time and their talents, Lord, with uh, using their gifts and bringing their brick every single week. Lord, I pray that we as a congregation, that we would not grow tired of doing good. I pray that we would not grow weary of 
living out our Christian faith in our communities and our spheres of influence, Lord, that you would do what only you can do in hearts and minds all throughout our communities and in our families. We'll praise you for that. We pray that you bless this time of communion as we just remember the ultimate sacrifice that you paid. We thank you for it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Thank you.